I'm spending time with us this morning for the first time. If, you, if it's not your first time, that's awesome too. That's great as well. But uh, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Um, we are going to uh, be looking at completing our series in Ezekiel that we've been talking about for quite a few weeks here. Um, last week, uh, Sydney came and he did the uh, did Ezekiel uh, 47. Sydney was is from uh, the church in Jacksonville, Miss Jackson. Jackson. Jackson, Mississippi. Jacksonville, Florida. Jacksonville, Florida. Yeah. So that's, that's where that's coming. Um, so yeah. So we're going to continue with Ezekiel 39. So we're going to jump back just a little bit this morning. Um, let's see if I can get my phone. Can we get the first slide, please? Thank you. I actually did that. <laughs> I went too far. Well, oh, we'll leave it right here. Anyway, so, um, you know, Ezekiel's message of destruction of all of Israel is coming to an end, right? With God promising to restore yes. Israel in the future. Yes. And if you, if you read the book of Ezekiel, right, and you don't finish it, you're not going like, to like that book. <laughs> because what you're looking at is, is Ezekiel is prophesying about, about the, the, the difficulty right, that Israel is going to have and then in the middle of the book are, or certain chapters in the middle of the book he's talking about uh, the nations and now he's talking about the restoration right, and, and giving hope to Israel and so if you don't get it to I guess Ezekiel say 30 Six, then you're not one. Right? So, um, so I pray that we've been reading along and reading through all of Ezekiel together throughout this series. And so, what we're going to look at today is that God has not forgotten Israel. Amen. Amen. God has not forgotten Israel, and His willingness to restore them speaks to His forgiveness. Amen. You know, picture like. The, the the nice uh, uh, AI photograph that I created there. But picture someone wandering, a son just wandering, leaves home, squandering his inheritance in reckless living. You guys know the story, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And he's he's doing all these things because home was just not satisfactory enough for him. Right? It was just not enough for him. He wanted to experience other things, and he wanders off and squanders his inheritance. He feels the weight of his mistakes now, the shame of his choices, and he's having a difficult time. You know, in my own life, there have been times when I've strayed and made poor decisions, poor choices, and felt the weight of that shame and regret, right? Those times usually took place or happened when something very um, challenging was happening in my life, right? I remember when Travis was born, um, and we spent some, somewhere around seven months in the with him, and then we left, and, and we went back to church, and uh, well, we didn't leave church during that time, but we, we spent this, all this time with him in the queue for seven months, and I remember when he came out 
um, how challenging that was to to carry a G2, um, to carry the, the you know, what do call them, the pedo? Yep. The feeding tube, through, you know, to feed them through the G2. I remember carrying that stuff with us. I remember carrying the machine that we used to, to uh, clear the tray, right? Pretty noisy thing, right? I remember carrying that. I remember carrying oxygen, right? And this was our gear when we were just going to the store, right? This was our gear when we went anywhere. Right? And in addition to food, you know, the black, you know, the normal stuff, right? We had to carry all of that with us. And I remember the challenge, even just being in church. I remember when we were in church, we had to sometimes sit up in the, it's like kind of like a balcony, um, pretty much away from everyone, so that if we did have to clear the tray, it wouldn't disturb service. But I think what I remember even more so was. Um, just feeling alone, just feeling that we were by ourselves during that time, and it was challenging. You know, I, I remember feeling at some points not wanting to go to church, because I just felt like the weight was too much to carry me even there, yeah. right? Yeah. And in my heart, I felt a lot of different things. There were, there were times I felt like giving up. There were times I felt like, okay, well, if I feel so heavy right now where I don't want to go back, maybe I just shouldn't go at all. My poor wife, I mean, she struggled with me through this because, you know, she would go. She would go to church. And I would stay at home. And uh, it was a a challenging time. It is. I think our lives, even now, is filled with this feeling of, is it going to be okay? Mm-hmm. He's doing fantastic. Yeah. He's doing awesome. Yeah. But when we think of, okay, well, what is college going to be like mm-hmm. for him? What is, what is working going to be like for him? Yeah. And man, I'm going to find an awesome sister that I read. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, man, like, all these things are going through my head like on a daily basis, right? And there are times where my heart can wander. Yeah. And you know you just hate when you wear contacts? Because you can't see it. Right. And so, um, but, you know, it was it was a challenging time. And sometimes even now it's challenging. Mm-hmm. You know, I hear about so many people who are in the same situation where their hearts wander. Mm-hmm. Where we wander from God, yeah. and we, we where we think these different things, and it's not like we are intending on not coming back and not wanting to be around God, but our hearts wander. Yeah, you know, and and, they, and we find ourselves making poor and sometimes even debilitating decisions. Yeah. I think you guys, you, some of you can relate, right? Where you've experienced in some way the consequences of your actions. Yeah much like the prodigal son, right? Who just went and he squandered and did all these things and he's wandering and, and then he finally gets to this point where the scripture says he came to his senses. Yeah. yeah. Amen. You know, as a community and as individuals, we've felt the pain of straying from what is right. Yeah. yeah. We've felt the pain even of others straying, straying from what is right. In their hearts, they stray from what is right. We felt the pain of people straying and not coming to their senses. 
And it's in, you know, I was talking to the family group leaders on Wednesday, and one of the things that I really want to encourage us to do is, for instance, those people who do strength, right? Those people who, who we would consider prodigal sons, right? Are you praying for them? Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that didn't come to their senses, senses do we pray mm-hmm. for those people? <laughs> or, or do we just leave them out there and say, hey, maybe one day, They'll return to God. Are we praying for prodigals? As a community of individuals, we've felt that pain. And so this echoes Israel's story in Ezekiel. It's a nation that disregarded God's authority. They faced punishment, but yet they held this glimmer of hope for restoration. God wants us to know, regardless of where you are today, regardless of whether you are wondering or you've decided to come back, regardless of, of whether you haven't come to your senses or you've come to your senses, regardless of what God wants you to know that there is hope. Yeah. God wants you to know that He doesn't want to leave you where you're at. Right. That His intention is to bring you back and restore you. Amen. We'll be reading this morning from the CSB version of the Bible, and you'll see it on the screen in a moment. One of the reasons I chose to read from this version, and you can follow along in the NIV, but one of the reasons I I chose to look at this version is because there's some there's some translation differences with the CSB and the NIV in, in some of what we're going to read, right? And um, but first, I want to I want to give us some context. You know, the Book of Ezekiel, God is is depicted as Israel's protector, and He's promising to restore and He's promising to defend them despite their disobedience. Hmm. He's promising to watch over them, protect them, despite their disobedience. They're going to pay for their disobedience. But he's promising to restore and defend. You know, and God, the leader of Magash, not don't confuse it, right? God, good, right? Symbolizes a formidable enemy prophesied to attack Israel in the end times. And God's intervention against God demonstrates his power. It demonstrates his sovereignty. It demonstrates serving both as a divine judgment against God and as a, as a revelation of God's supremacy to all nations. And so this conflict, it underscores the themes of divine protection, judgment, and the ultimate triumph of good over evil. But I'd rather not focus too much on the history of God and Israel this morning or how it reflects on the final events in the history of the world or humankind. You may, if you Google this, you're going to hear or see a whole bunch of different things that probably what they were trying to do with that is related to what is happening now in Israel Uh, or with Israel and Hamas, right? And so to be sensitive to all of that, I don't want to look too much at the history and the revelation of it and all of that stuff today. What I would rather do 
What we will accomplish today is looking more so at God's promise of restoration Amen. and hope. Amen. So let's, let's read Ezekiel 33, Ezekiel 39. Also, in addition, we're going to go ahead and we're going to start. I was going to start at Ezekiel 39, verse 25. But if you would open your Bibles for me, please, and open to Ezekiel 39. Or punch it in on your phones. Um, um, and I'm just going to read a paragraph, just because I want us to I want us to start with a picture of where God is going in this disposal, so to speak, of God. In verse one, it says, "Ask for you, son of man, prophesy against God and say, this is what the Lord God says." Look, I am against you, God, chief prince of Meshach and Tubal. I will turn you around, drive you on, and, and lead you up from the remotest parts of the north. I will bring you against the mountains of Israel. Then I will knock your bow from your left hand and make your arrows drop from your right hand. You all your troops and the people who are with you will fall in the mountains of Israel. I will give you as food to every kind of predatory bird and to the wild animals. You will fall in the open field, for I have spoken. This is the declaration of the Lord. And so it paints this picture about where God is going with this, with God, right? And later on we'll see, in, in, later on you'll read in, in, in Ezekiel 39, that even those bows and those arrows that fell to the ground, what they went ahead and do, did is they burned all that and used it for fuel. Wow. Right? For Israel. And God provided that for Israel. But now in verse 25, it says, So this is what the Lord God says. Now I will restore the fortunes of Jacob and have compassion on the whole house of Israel. And I will be jealous for my holy name. I know that in the NIV it says zealous, but follow along with me. They will feel remorse for their grace and all the unfaithfulness for their disgrace and all the unfaithfulness they committed against me. When they, when they live securely in their land with no one to frighten them. One of the key reasons I chose to read from the CSB is because of that verse right there. In the NIV, it says they will forget their shame, but not so. It's not a matter of forgetting your shame. <laughs> Right? His point says, in our sin and in, 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 in the times when we, we do things that are inappropriate before God, it's not about forgetting it. We need to remember it. Yeah. And here in, in verse 26, it says, they will feel remorse for their disgrace and all the unfaithfulness they committed against me. In other words, you're going to remember it so much so that you're going to feel remorseful over it. Yeah. And that's how repentance happens. Yeah. Yeah. 
And they will live securely in their land with no one to frighten them. So, yes, you're going to remember it. You're going to be remorseful. And guess what? It's going to lead to repentance, but you are going to live secure. <coughs> goes on in verse 27. It says, when I bring them back from the people and gather them from the countries of their enemies, I will demonstrate my holiness through them in the sight of many nations. They will know that I am the Lord, their God, when I regather them to their own land after having exiled them among the nations. <coughs> I will leave none of them behind. And then verse 29 says, I will no longer hide my face from you, for I will pour out my spirit on the house of Israel. Amen. This is the declaration of the Lord. How beautiful is that? He's like, acknowledge what's happening. Acknowledge what you did. But guess what? I'm going to hook you up. <laughs> but you got to acknowledge it. You can't just, you can't have something going on in your life and you're wondering and you're not acknowledging it. Like the prodigal son, he came to his senses. Yeah. We got to come to our senses. Right. If we will if we're to seek repentance. And so Ezekiel 39, it marks this turning point. It opens the door from, punish, from punishment to compassion. Yeah. From shame to hope. Don't we all want to have fun? Yeah. Yeah. Verse 25 through 29, as we read, it opens with a powerful message of hope and restoration. In verse 25, it says, So this is what the sovereign Lord says. Now I will restore the fortunes of Jacob and have what? Compassion on the whole house of Jacob, of Israel. The whole house. You know, here God promises to bring back his people from their wonders. Not just physically, but spiritually, renewing their hearts and restoring their relationship with Him. When I was wondering, right, and my, when my heart's wondering from God, right, and when we see people whose hearts are wondering from God, guess what? God wants you back. Yeah. He wants you to have this hope that that guess that God loves me enough to want me back. Mm-hmm. Not just to leave you wondering out there. Yep. And you know, sometimes it's painful. He says, remember and be remorseful. Sometimes there's just agony in our souls when we remember that. Mm-hmm. Brings me to tears when I remember the things that I did that I hurt God. But he says that I have a hope in the future for you, as Jeremiah prophesied. I have a hope and a future for you. Amen. You know, those times when we journey to these places that are without God, those times when we wander away from God with the idea that there's something better elsewhere, that compromises our spirituality. But God promises to bring you back. Mm-hmm. 
He wants to be with you, so he's not going to leave you out there. Can you imagine? You're out there wandering in the wilderness, and God, God is like, all right, have a good time. It's going to leave you, leave you to be. But some people will fight to wander as long as they can. Because in, in their minds, there's something out there that they're going to find that is better. In their minds, the grass is definitely greener on that other side. So they'll wander and wander for years. Can't find anything better. They're still looking. As long as it takes, some people feel they need to look and wander elsewhere. But God never forgets you. God never forgets us. The fact that God has not forgotten Israel and his willingness to even restore them speaks of his forgiveness. Amen. He's a forgiving God who never forgets his people. Amen. And guess what? Forgiveness is a divine miracle. Yeah. To forgive people like us. You may think you're pretty awesome, but to forgive people like us, yeah. it's a miracle. Yeah, You know, Paul says of Jesus in Ephesians 1-7, in him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of sins comes through Jesus. In accordance with the riches of what? God's grace. Amen. Again, regardless of your wondering, God is gracious. Yeah. Regardless of how far you wonder, God is gracious. Regardless of, of not just how far, but into, into the depths of the world, God is gracious. Amen. You can never go too far where he doesn't want you back. The majority of Ezekiel's message has been one of punishment or or for disregarding God's authority and expectations, and while while occasionally corrective of neighboring nations, most of the book has been dedicated to explaining how God will use those nations to punish Israel. How scary is that? Most of Ezekiel is used for that. However, Ezekiel 39 opens the door for God's compassion. Amen. To come to the forefront and provide Israel with assurance of hope. Amen. Assurance of hope. That hope is assured. Mm -hmm. And I hope that that encourages you. Mm -hmm. And this hope will come, come specifically because God's people will come to him in repentance. <clears throat> Hope doesn't come without repentance. That's right. Yeah. If you're sitting there and you're hoping that God is going to come, but you don't want to repent, you're still wondering. You're still just lost out there, just wondering, trying to explore as much as you can. But hope comes when you make a conscious decision that I am going to be different and I'm going to change. Amen. Christopher Wright 
you wrote a book called A New Heart and a New Spirit. And in it, he explains that, you know, that how Israel would bear their shame. And that means, what does bearing their shame mean? It means acknowledging their sin, which caused their shame, and accepting that they should indeed be ashamed of their conduct, while also embracing God's mercy. You see, when we, when we, when we, when we're wondering or when we're in sin or anything like that, are we ashamed? Are we ashamed? How do we feel about it? When God says go right and you go left, are you ashamed? Do you accept that shame? Are you ashamed of your conduct? Or some parts of the scripture says, or do you just not even blush? This duality of acknowledging our brokenness and receiving God's mercy is crucial in understanding who God is. In understanding his character. He's a God of justice, but abounding in compassion. He's a God of justice, but abounding in love. He's a God of justice, but abounding in mercy. Yes, repentance hurts. It's for our good. You know, there's no contradiction in Ezekiel 36, 30 through 31, where it says, I will increase. It says in Ezekiel 36, 30 through 31, it says, I will increase the fruit of the trees and the crops of the field so that you will no longer suffer disgrace. God is concerned about our disgrace. And it's a disgrace that we often put ourselves in. And he doesn't want us to suffer disgrace among the nations because of families. Then you will remember your evil ways and wicked deeds, and you will loathe yourselves for your sins and detestable practices. And then we say, well, what about grace? What about grace? Like, he's talking here about you loathing yourselves and how you got to feel. And, uh, but what about grace? In the New Testament, there's grace. Yeah. Yeah, there is. In verse 32, it says, I want you to know that I'm not going to, I'm not doing this for your sake. Declares the Lord. Oops. Be ashamed and disgrace and disgraced for your conduct, people of Israel. Be ashamed of yourselves. Be disgraced. Be disgraced about it. How do you feel about your sin before God? But again, you say, "What about grace?" Well, Paul asks, shall we go on sinning? Yeah. Shall we grace yeah. yeah. Romans 6.1. How's it going with acknowledging your sin? And that you're broken before a holy God. 
Do we take advantage of his mercy? So I challenge you to reflect on areas of your life where you might have strayed or, or fallen short. Acknowledge these before God and open your heart to his mercy. You know, imagine using a GPS for a road trip, right? But you decide to ignore its direction. I do it all the time. Been there, done that, right? And you're ignoring the, the directions. You have the next slide, guys. And after a few wrong turns, the GPS keeps recalculating the route, right? Yeah, Sometimes you don't even want it to. You can just like totally take that like feature off. Right? It's recalculating the, uh, the route and persistently guiding you back. It never says, that's it, I'm done with you. You keep making wrong turns, forget you. Use Google GPS. But it patiently recalculates your routes. No matter how many times you stray off course, this is much like how God deals with us. Amen. No matter how many wrong turns we make daily, hourly, for me, <laughs> no matter how many wrong turns we make, he is always ready to recalculate your path and bring you back. Come on. Amen. But again, I ask as Paul did, shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Shall we go on making the wrong turns and waiting for it to recalculate? Picture someone walking in the rain, right? With an umbrella. But the umbrella is folded up. It's not open like it is in this picture. It's folded up. They're walking in the rain. Folded up umbrella. And they're getting soaking wet. It's a bit like how we sometimes treat God's forgiveness. We have it with us, but we walk around getting wet because we don't open it. God's forgiveness and mercy are like an umbrella offered to us. You're out there, you're walking, you're getting soaking wet, and somebody says, here's an umbrella. And you may take it, but you don't open it. <laughs> it's just something good to have. Forgive God's forgiveness sometimes, it's just something good to have, right? But we don't use it. We don't embrace it. It's up to us to accept it and open it up Amen. over our lives. And so again, I ask, Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Mm. Romans 6 2. By no means. We are those who have died to sin. Mm -hmm. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Mm. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead 
to the glory of the Father, or to the live that is hope. That is hope. Israel, they were they're gonna live a new life. God is saying, Yes, I'm disciplining you. Yes, I'm gonna discipline the nations. But the hope is new life. That is the hope. But in order for that to happen, there must be repentance. The redemption promised to Israel is a model for all of us. And God's love for Israel would be a sign of the, a sign to the world that God was with Israel. Amen. And perhaps that would stir the hearts of unbelievers everywhere. Warren Wearsby another author and, and commentator gives this idea that God's love for Israel will tell the world that the Jews are indeed the people of God who were, who were chastened by God in the past but now are destined for kingdom. They were roughed up by God, man. But now, they're destined for a kingdom. There will come a day when this rebellious nation will be cleansed and forgiven. And the Lord will pour out His Spirit on His people. And that will happen when they see the Messiah, repent of their sins, and trust in Him for their salvation. For there to be restoration, it must be repentance. In our own lives, when we turn back to God and acknowledge our mistakes, He extends His mercy and favor, renewing our spirit and relationship with Him. And so another challenge for you is that we identify one aspect of our lives where we need to turn back to God and commit to a step of repentance and seek God's restoration. C.S. Lewis, he says, you, you can't go back and change the beginning. But you can start where you are and change the end. That's right. Amen. Right. Now God's mercy towards Israel is not just for their benefit, but to demonstrate his goodness to the world. Amen. Does your life reflect God's mercy? God's actions were, were driven by his zeal for his name and, and compassion for his people. And we're all called to mirror his mercy in our intentions and in the things that we do and how we communicate with the world around us. Showing the world God's character through our actions. Does the world around you see God's character based on the way that you behave? Mm-hmm. What, what does the world interpret, the world around you, in your community, in the, in the grocery store you go to, the gas station you go to, the dental office, the doctor? How do they interpret your behavior? Mm-hmm. Do they see or reflect? Does your behavior before them 
reflect God's mercy. Mm. Like the prodigal son again returning home, we too, when we repent and return to God, we become this testimony of his grace and mercy to the world around us. We can, we can talk to people and say, this is where I was before Jesus. Mm-hmm. This is where I am. Amen. Do you guys see that reflected in your behavior? You know, last night we went to to uh, a uh, dinner and auction um, for the House of the Harvest. And uh, we went with, with Tom and, and the, the Garvitas were there and the farmers were there and um, and then Tom's daughter was there. And we had a blast. We had so, and I was so impressed because what they are doing there in the House of the Harvest is changing people's lives. Mm-hmm. And you don't have to do anything but probably even drive by it. And you see a reflection of God's mercy. Amen. Just drive by and you'll see a reflection of God's mercy. I mean, yeah, we had a lot of fun. I mean, it, oh, let me tell you something. The auction was cool. <laughs> it was awesome. I've never been in the room where they're, they're auctioning anything. But it was cool. I mean, one time my head scratched me so bad, and I wanted to kind of put my head on the side. And I was like, no, that might cost me a thousand dollars. I'm not buried, you know? Because I just didn't want to. I was bearing the itch, right? But it was a great time. But you know what? Their lives reflected God's mercy for people. How about you? The theme of Ezekiel always points back to the person of God and how his name has been degraded amongst the nations because of Israel's behavior. Because of Israel's behavior, guess what happens? The nations see it. And his name is degraded. God has chosen Israel, but Israel continues to not choose God. Mm. And in the end, God's character and good name have been scrutinized because of Israel's behavior. Do you know that the way you behave as a disciple will have an effect on how the world sees the Father in man? Amen. That's right. God knows that his choice of Israel as his people doesn't exempt Israel from temptation or tendency to, to cave on her. But instead of shaming her forever, he will extend mercy. God knows that you may cave. God knows that you may cave on yourself. God knows that once, if that temptation is too strong for you, you may cave. But he doesn't want to shame you forever. He doesn't want you to sit in shame forever. He wants to be merciful upon you. And the action is not for her benefit alone. It's not for Israel's benefit alone. Rather, it will speak to the world at large. 
in his own goodness and authority, he alone possesses. So here's something else for you to do. Think about this and consider this. How can you demonstrate God's mercy in your community? And you as an individual, how can you demonstrate his mercy in your own community? Be it your neighbors or neighborhood or Huntsville at large. Consider one act of kindness or forgiveness you can extend this week in your community. You know, a teacher once held up an eraser and said, this eraser is a lot like God's forgiveness. It doesn't matter how many mistakes you have on your page, this eraser can wipe them clean. Much like God's forgiveness. It's a simple yet effective way of just visualizing, visualizing God's forgiveness. You know, our journey is a reflection of the story of Israel and the prodigal son. Our journey is just like theirs. It's a, it's a journey from rebellion to restoration. From shame to disgrace. And God's plan, as demonstrated throughout all of history, is to restore and renew those who turn back. Amen. The story of Israel in the scriptures always points to God's ultimate plan to restore all of humanity to a right relationship with Him. Amen. Amen. And also with the rest of creation. Let us pray for both in acknowledging our need for it, for mercy. Let us pray for mercy but also pray for our, 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 our acknowledging our need for mercy and also in extending it to others. Amen. And I pray that we can be vessels of God's compassionate restoration in a broken world. Amen. I pray that we will, we will walk around and just say, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> Not in a you know how sometimes say, Lord, have mercy, boy. No, but Lord, have mercy. Have mercy on us. Lord, have mercy on our families. Lord, have mercy on those who are sick. Lord, have mercy on our country. Lord, have mercy on our city. Lord, have mercy on Israel. Lord, have mercy on Hamas. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy on Russia. Lord, have mercy on Ukraine. Lord, have mercy on my brother. Lord, have mercy on my sister. Lord, have mercy on my son. Lord, have mercy on me. Lord, have mercy on each other. Lord, have mercy. Peace. Praise God. Guys, it is mercy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. As we take communion, let us reflect on the message of Ezekiel 39 and the promise of restoration 
In these verses, God, he speaks of bringing back his people. He speaks of, of showing compassion, of being zealous for his holy name, of being jealous for his holy name. The story of Ezekiel displays the just nature of God as well as his compassion. And as we consider what it means that God has sent Jesus as our answer, we should remember that God has a history of making a way for his creation that both restores them to a right relationship with him and ensures that his good name is restored amongst the people. Amen. Lord, have mercy. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much, God, for loving us. Thank you so much for taking care of us, for watching over us, for giving us hope and the future. Father, we thank you so much for your Son. He gave his ransom for us. Father, when the world was at sin. In the worst place, he gave him a ransom for us. And the world still continues to be there. I pray, Father, that you will help us to change our hearts towards you. At times when we are wondering, you will come to our senses. And our hearts will be moved to know that you want to be with us and you want us back always. May you never forget us. You always want to love us and keep us. Do you have me? In your son's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.